Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Lawless, Chapter 4. Shay's, Shay's Roadhouse and Bar was about a mile out of Jacobsville on the road that went to Victoria. It was big and rowdy on the weekends, and despite the fact that beer and wine were served at the bar, it wasn't the den of inquility that Judd called it. There were two bouncers, usually. One had a broken an arm in a fall, so that just left Tiny to keep things orderly. It wasn't hard. Tiny was the opposite of his name. A huge, hulky man with a sweet nature and a caring personality. But he could be insistent when people got out of hand, and nobody lasted long in an altercation with him. She said as much to Cash when they were seated at one of the small wooden tables waiting to be served. Altercation, he repeated with a slope. You sound like a cop. Clean, Judd, she said on the side. It really does rub off when you hang out with law enforcement types. He jumped before he was like, are you sure you didn't mind that you came out with me? Specialist. I think he did, a little. He's very conventional. His eyebrows were. Are we talking about the same Judd Dunn? He asked Clancy. The one who handcuffed the prostitute to the former mayor of Jacobsville when he caught them together in a brothel and had something and someone tipped off the newspaper. She cleared up. He was a policeman here at the time. And she used to speed her all the way to Houston to give him a ticket. She moved one hand out of the and then padlocked at the local pool parlor. Pool parlor until the owner promised to stop serving beer to minors. She said, yes, I suppose he used to be more unconventional than he is now. He feels that he shouldn't embarrass the Texas Rangers. The exact figure changes from time to time, but this year there are only 103 of them in the world. He gave her a music. I know, I used to be one. <laughs> her dark eyes widened. You did? You know, in fact, I worked with Judd for a while. I taught him those martial arts moves he uses so eloquently these days. You know martial arts? She was hanging on everywhere. Hey, trouble. There's a movie cowboy up the road near Fort Worth who also runs a martial arts studio. He taught me. She named the actor. He got, wow. She's playing obviously a person. I don't look like that, he muttered. You're embarrassing me. She talked to that, recalling something she heard about him earlier. You want to talk about Judd being unconventional? She had it with a wicked grin. We heard that you used the movie camera in your police car to film a couple in the backseat of a parked car up in San Antonio. <laughs> Not the police camera of my own, and it was two local police officers I knew that I captured on tape. I made them promise to behave with more decorum before I gave them the only copy of the tape. You made a you make a bad enemy, she pointed out. He nodded, and he didn't smile. Around them, the band was just tuning up. It consisted of two men playing guitars, one with a fiddle and one with a keyboard. They broke into San Antonio Road, and couples began to move on to the big dance. They're pretty good, she said. They're missing their bass player, he nodded. I wonder why. Oh, he's in jail. He said, smiling at the waitress. Why? Some other guy was dating his girl. He chased them to her house in his car and made a scene. She called up to see her. Fortunes of war. Some women are harder to keep than others, I guess. Poor guy. He'll be out Monday, wiser and more prudent. <laughs> Hi, what can I get you? A waitress, an older woman asked. Pizza and beer. Guy told her. Pizza and coffee. Chrissy said, what was her turn? No beer? I'm not 21 yet, Christy replied, and my guardian, she chose words carefully, is a Texas Ranger. 
You're Chrissy, the girl said immediately. I had a crush on Jug when he, when we were younger, but he was going with that Taft girl from Victoria. They broke up over his job, didn't they? Chrissy, no. Someone we can't live with the danger. Doesn't seem to bother you, the waitress said, tongue-in-cheek, as she glanced importantly at Grier before she went away to pull the order. Chrissy chuckled as Grier gave her a meaningful look. No, I'm not chicken-hearted. Excuse me. I wouldn't worry sometimes, but not to excess. Jug could take care of himself. So can you, I imagine. Well enough, he said, nodding. The crowd was growing as Chrissy and Grier finished their pizza and drained their respective beverages. The music was nice. She thought watching the couples try to do a western line dance on the dance floor. They give courses on that at the Civic Center, Chrissy told Grier, but I could never get into it. I like Latin dances, but I've never found anybody can do them around here, except Mad Caldwell. He's married now. Grier is going to marry Modesty prevents me from telling you that I won an award in tango contest once down in Argentina. She was staring at him breathlessly. You can do Latin dances? Then why are you just sitting there? Come on. She grabbed him by the hand and tugged him onto the dance floor and up to the band leader. Sammy, can you play Latin music of, of any kind at all? She asked the young man, one of her foremost romance jokes. Can I? Even the band stops playing conferred, and then the keyboard player grinned broadly as he adjusted his instrument and bounced the Latin rhythm began and began to take shape. The floor cleared as the spectators, expecting something unusual, moved as the edges of the dance It better be good, Chrissy told Grywood again. This crowd is hard to please, and they don't mind booing people who are only think they can dance. Matt Caldwell and his Leslie are legendary at Latin dances here. They won't fool me, he promised, taking her by the right hand in the waist with a professional sort of expertise. He nodded to the mark, the rhythm, and they proceeded to whirl, then proceeded to whirl her around with devastating ease. She kept up with an effort she learned from a boy at school, a transfer student from New York with a Latino background. He said she was good, but Grier was totally out of her class. She washed her feet and followed with natural flair. By the time they were halfway into the song, she was keeping up and adding steps and movements of her own. As the band slowly wound down, the audience was actually clapping to the beat. Grier rolled her around her against him and looped her over one arm for a finish. Everyone applauded. He pulled her back up, rolled her beside him, and they both took a bow. She was breathless. He wasn't even breathing hard. He led her back to her seat, juggling. <sighs> Let Caldwell top that, he muttered. She laughed, almost pant from the exertion. I'm out of shape, she murmured. I'll have to get out of the house more. Gosh. Gosh, you guys were great, the waitress said as she paused briefly at the table. Were you feeling? Thanks, you bet, Gry said, handing her his empty bottle. Me too, Kristen Bell added, pushing her cup to the edge of the table. Back in a jiffy, the girl's under the <sighs> Does Judd dance? Grier asked. Only if somebody shoots at his feet, she returned, tongue in cheek. That'll be the day. That reminds me, she said. I need your advice. I'm almost positive that somebody poisoned one of our young fools. Judd won't believe me, but I'm sure I'm right. It was all business. Tell me about it. We bought a young salad bowl in early September. The Hearts had two year old salad bowl, and Leo Hart was going to buy Fred Brewster's young salad bowl that came from the same batch. Ours did up in Victoria. 
But they found Fred's bull dead in a pasture just recently because Leo Hart called Judd about ours. Ours died before Fred's, so we dragged ours out to the pasture behind the tractor and buried him with a borrowed backhoe. You didn't have him autopsy? Yeah, she was. Cash, we were sitting pretty last year, but we had a drought in the spring and summer, and cattle prices fell. Right now, it takes all Judd could make to keep me in school and pay his rent on his apartment in Victoria. We sell off cattle to pay for incidentals and buy feed for the cattle when we don't have enough grass for grass, grass to graze. He even works extra hours, just extra jobs, just so we can make ends meet. We're having a hard time. Once I graduate, I'm going straight to work to help out. I was a computer whiz already, and I didn't want to go on to Votech school in the first place, but Judd said I needed expertise in spreadsheet programs so that we could keep better records. He was right. It's just hard to manage, that's all. I imagine you know how that is. He didn't. Nobody knew how much money he had in foreign banks from the early days in his profession when he was doing highly skilled black ops jobs for various governments. He didn't advertise it, but he could have retired any time. He felt like it. Holding a conventional job kept his skills honed and people in the dark about his true financial situation and his true skills. Anyway, he says that I didn't check the pasture before I put the bulls in it and they binged on clover and got flout. Since we don't use antibiotics as a preventative, we certainly can't afford to use vegetable oils for that either. Judge said the tendons in the clover cost the blout. She sighed impatient. Listen, I know pasture management as well as he does, and I'm not stupid enough to stick with successful young bulls in a pasture without feeding them hay or grass first. And the heifer bulls were in there at the same time. All four of them, they didn't get blout. Didn't you tell Judge that? She nodded. I guess he thinks there's a special Siler's gene that attacks, tracks blout, she muttered irritably. She had not laughed at Anyway, it happened right after we fired that Clark man. She added, Jack Clark. He's got a brother, John. They uns- they're unsavory characters, and they get fired a lot, I hear. We fired Jack for stealing on purchase orders. I suppose he didn't realize we checked purchase orders to make sure they're not being abused. He bought himself a $200 pair of boots at the Western shop and charged it to us with a photocopied purchase order. He gave back the boots and we returned them so we didn't press charges, but we fired him just the same. He's working for Duke right now, driving a cattle truck. Duke had better watch him, is all she said. One of our new cowboys said that Clark, that the Clark boys have been suspected of poisoning cattle someplace that one of them was fired from a couple of years ago. Our guy was working with them at the time. Your guy was watching her person. This is serious. Are you sure Judd didn't believe you? I didn't tell him all I've just told you because I didn't find out about the Clarks being suspects of poisoning cattle until a few days ago. I didn't tell him that we found a cut in the fence there either. You could tell him about that and the other information. A man who poison helpless bulls will poison people, given a chance. She nodded with a sigh. I've told the boys to keep a close eye on our other stock, and I ride the fence lines myself when I get home from school. Alone? She stared at him like that. Of course alone, she said to him. I'm a grown woman. I don't need a babysitter. That's not what I meant. He replied. 
I don't like the idea of anybody going out to distant pastures alone and unarmed. You don't pack a gun, do you? She grimaced. I guess I should, shouldn't I? She laughed self-consciously. I have this crazy nightmare sometimes that I've been shot and I'm trying to get to John and tell him, but he can't hear me. <laughs> take somebody with you next time you ride fancy coach. Don't take chances. I won't, she promised, but without agreeing to take along an escort, she did have the 28 case shotgun that Jad had given her. She could take that with her when she rode fence, she supposed. Cash made sense. If a man wouldn't hesitate to poison a helpless fool, he might not stop trying to kill a young woman. Fortunately, the waitress came back with coffee and beer in time to divert him, and they waited until she left before they resumed their conversation. You want me to talk to Judd about the bull? Yes, she shook her head. He won't do any good. He makes up his mind, and that's it. She touched her cup and noticed that it was blazing hot. He's distracted lately anyway. Those film people are coming this weekend, including the stars. You know, so I guess everybody's heard of Tippy Moore. Uh, Georgia Firefly. His face grew hard and his eyes were cold. You know her? Yes. I don't like models, he said, toss them back to swallow a beer. She waited, not liking the pride, but his expression was disturbing. Put the bottle down, saw the way she was looking at him, and chuckled. Never push, do you? You just wait and let people talk if they want to. She smiled self-consciously. I guess so. He leaned back. My mother died when I was about nine. I stayed with her in the hospital as long as they let me. My brothers were too young, and my father... Yes, my father, he began again with loading in his tongue, was absolutely smitten with another woman and couldn't stay away from her. He used to talk my mother with how young and beautiful his mistress was, how he was going to marry her the minute my mother was out of the way. She was ill, she was Ill for a long time, but after he began the affair, my mother gave up. When she died, he was too busy with his mistress to care. He only came to the hospital one time to make arrangements for her body to be taken to the funeral home. His new woman was a minor league model, 20 years his junior, and he was crazy for her. Three days after the funeral, he married her and brought her home, brought her home with him. He picked up the bear and took another long swig, swig his eyes through his face. I've never hated a human being so much in my life before or since it was way it was wait it was too soon she guessed it would, would always have been too soon he said flatly my stepmother threw out my mother's things the minute she set foot in the house all the photographs all the handwork she even sold my mother's jewelry and laughed about it his eyes now that same year my father sent me off to military school I never built back home, not even when I finally wised up eight years too late and tried to get me to come home again. Not, not even when he finally wised up eight years too late and tried to get me to come home again. Some men hated physical contact when they recounted painful episodes, but she slid her hand over Cash's anyway, something she never had done with Judd. Grier glanced at her hand with a start, but after a few seconds, his fingers curled around it. They were strong fingers, short and blunt, with a grip that wound. Would have been painful if they contracted a centimeter more. She noticed that he wore no jewelry, except for a complicated-looking silver metal watch on his left wrist. No ring. 
I lost my mother the year I graduated from high school, you know. I was older than you were, but it hurt just as much. I had young Maudie, Cheddar was mom. She came when I was just a baby to help mother because she was so frail. Maudie's been like a second mama to me. <laughs> she used to call her him, used to turn her hand over to examine the tiny scars. What did you do with your hands? The guys curiously know in short hands. Fix broken fences, men attack, use calf pulls, getting bitten by horses, climb trees. Gee, remunerated. He choked, tomboy. I'm not made for a mansion or a boardroom, she said with a Women are really liberated, and I'm free to do anything I like. I like livestock and planting gardens and working around the ranch. I hate the idea of an office and a nine-to-five lifestyle. I'm a country girl. I wouldn't mind being a cattle baroness, of course. There's nothing wrong with that. Of course, I'm full partner in the ranch, she said thoughtfully. And I keep the books and make decisions about breeding and diet and upgrades of equipment. When I get through this computer course, I'll be able to rewrite spreadsheet programs and keep up with my breeding program better. Jed doesn't mind giving you that authority, he asked puzzled. She smiled carefully. Why would he? I'm good at what I do. Better than he is, and he knows it. Besides, I don't have a clue about marketing. That's his department. Oh, and he pays bills. She goes, I don't mind keeping bank statements for Ricasile and Adoring Project. Think here's what I draw the line of writing checks. I don't like that myself. He had to make picture. I had your picture as a nice little kid who went to school and let Judd do all the hard work. Bad chance and stuff. Not. No man support me while I sit back and read magazines and paint my fingernails. I'm a hands-on partner. Judd never seemed like the sort of man who'd tolerate a female partner. He murmured rather. You don't know him very well, do you? She asked mine. Fought really hard to get women into the Jacobsville Police Force, and he won't put up with men who degenerate the worth of women in business or law enforcement. Besides, he can cook and clean house better than I can if he ever gets married for real and has kids. His wife will be lucky. He loves kids, she added absently. Peyton thought that he was determined to get an annulment the second she turned 21 next month. Just about the time Tippy Moore would be on hand. Don't look worried. Tippy Moore is world famous and beautiful, he said without thinking. Judd really perked up when they mentioned she was starring in this movie. He's never been around women like that. He's a minister's son and rather unwieldy and confrontational in some ways. You'll think she'll captivate, captivate him. She might as gaze in. I'm no beauty, she said flatly. I'm backworldsy and I know computers and cattle, but I can't compete with an international famous model who knows how to act seductive. She'll draw men like flies. You watch. Not me, he said. He was like, I'm immune. Judd won't be, she said worriedly. Judd's a grown man. He can take care of himself. He was remembering, not wanting to disillusion her about admitting that John had very little trouble attracting beautiful women in the old days. The man was no Romeo, but he was handsome and confident and aggressively seductive with women he wanted. He also successful. He didn't mention that to Chrissy. He would have crushed her. He wondered if she knew how much her feelings for John showed when she talked about it. I suppose he can, she murmured. Picked up her cup and sipped her hot coffee. I wish we didn't have to have film people climbing all over the ranch, she added impatiently. 
But they're offering us a small fortune to use it for a location shooting. And we need the money so badly that we can't refuse. He said, that's old sayings, right? That everybody has a price. I didn't think I did, but I do want to replace that salary pool. She smiled, darling. We don't insure against cattle losses, but at least he'll be a tax deduction as a business loss. She said, I paid $5,000 for that pool. If Clark did poison him, and I can't find a way to prove it, I'm going to take him all the way to the Supreme Court. I might not get my $5,000 back, but I'll take it out in trade. He juggled. I like your style, Chrissy Gaines. She smiled at him over her cocktail. If I can get proof, will you arrest him for me? Of course, he sobered. But don't go looking for trouble alone. Not me. I'm the cautious type. He doubted that, but he wasn't going to argue with are you game to get back on the dance floor? You bet. He grinned and took her hand, leaning her back out. The band leader noticed him and immediately stopped the slow country tune that you were playing and broke out with cha-cha. Everybody laughed, including the couple of the evening out on the dance floor. Saturday morning, bright and early, the director, the assistant director, the cameraman, the cinematographer, the sound man, Two technicians and the stars of the movie came tooling up the dirt driveway to the ranch of a huge Ford expedition. Judd had just driven up in the yard. A minute ahead of them, Christina Bell and Maudie came out on the porch to meet them. Maudie was in an old house dress with hair every which way. Christina Bell was wearing jeans and a cotton shirt, her hair in a neat braid. But when she saw the red-headed woman get out of the big vehicle, her heart felt her boots. Didn't help. Judd went straight toward the woman without a single glance back at Christina Bell to help her down out of the high back seat with his hands around her tiny waist. She laughed, and it was the sound of silver bells. She had a perfect smile, white teeth, and a red mouth. Her figure was perfect, too. She was wearing a long, swirly green dress that clung to the long, elegant lines of her body. Judd was looking at her with intent appreciation, but he never looked at plain little Christina Bell. Worse, the model looked back at him with abject fascination, flirting for all she was worth. She's an actress, Marty said with a comforting hand on him. She'll never fit in here, or want to, or stop looking like death. So he stopped looking like death on marble slab. Christina Bell laughed so conscious. You're a treasure, she said. I'm, I'm cake too, Marty said with a wide grin. I'll go make a pot of coffee and slice some pound cake. They can come in and get it when they're ready. Christina Bell, she called sharp. She glanced ruefully at Maudie and helped down the steps with her, un her usual uninhibited stride. And stopped beside Judd as he made an introduction. This is Christina Bell Gaines, she's part of the ranch. Christina Bell, I'm sure you remember Joel Harper, the director. He said, introducing the short man in glasses and a baseball cap who smiled and nodded. This is Ranch Wayne, the leading man. He nodded toward a handsome tall man with blonde hair and a mustache. This is Guy Mays, the assistant director. He, he continued introducing a young man who was openly leering at the model. And this is to be more. He added in a different tone. And this is to be more. He added in a different tone. His eyes reverted to the green-eyed redhead who gave Christina Bell a fleeting glance that dismissed her as no, no competition, and then proceeded to smile brilliantly up at Judd. I'm very glad to meet you, Christina Bell said pol politely. 
Likewise, we're ready to start shooting Monday. Harper told you that. We just need to discuss a few technical details. If you want to know about the livestock, if you want to know about the livestock, Casino Bellevue, we'll ask Chad, the model said in a haunting Mommy, husky voice. He surely know more than you would, she added with a deliberate rudeness. Christina Bell's dark eyes said, I grew up here, she began belligerently. Judd, I'd love to see that big bull you told us about, the model cooed, taking Judd's arm in her slender hands and tugging him along. Christina Bell was left standing while Judd walked obediently toward the big barn with Tippy and Joe Harper in his entourage. She wanted to chew nails. She was, after all, a full partner in the ranch, but apparently they considered her too young to make big decisions, and Judd was too fixated on the redhead to care that she'd been dismissed as nobody on her own place. She glared after them till the sound of a horse approaching caught her attention. Nick Bates, their livestock foreman and ranch manager, came riding up. His tall, lean figure slumped in the saddle. What's your problem? she asked him. I've been chasing cows, he muttered her. Some damn fool cut the fence, and five cows got out. We ran them into another pasture, and I came back to the truck and some wire to fix the brake. Not the pregnant cows, she asked worriedly. He nodded. But they seem all right. I had the boys herd them into the pasture down from the barn, just in case. You left the gate open? She wanted to know. None of my men. Who left the gate open? She wanted to know. None of my men. Nick assured her. His dark eyes flashed in the room. I rode up the hob down his place and talked to him. He spends his life in that rocking chair on the front porch most of the year. I figured he might have seen who cut the rock. Did he? He said there was a strange pickup truck down there earlier this morning. One with homemade sides like a cattle truck would have. An older truck, black with a red stripe. Two men got out, and one acted like he was fixing the fence. Then Hobb went out on his porch and yelled at them. They hesitated, but a sheriff's patrol car came up the road, and they jumped in the truck and went away real fast. There was a small opening, just wide enough to get a cow through, and not visible except up close. She moved closer to the house. Horse, Bertie thought. I want you to call Duke right and ask him if he's got a black truck with a red stripe and ask who was driving in it this morning. Nick leaned over the palm of me and I got some idea who it is. Yes, but I'm not mentioning names and I want to know. I'm keeping to myself. Get down from there. I don't want to have to go to the barn to settle Mick. The film crew's down there. They make me nervous. Nick swung down. Where are you going? Just out to see how the fence was cut. She told me. I already told you. You don't understand, she said me with The fence where the bull died had been cut too. Remember? I never mentioned it to Judd and we fixed it, but I noticed how it was cut. No two people do the same thing exactly alike. I can tell if it was Marty or Judd who opened the cola can, just by the way they leave the top. I know what the first wire cuts look like. Grace, quit it. I've got to find Denny. He picked up some new salt licks. We'll take those out when we fix the fence. Good idea. She swung gracefully into the saddle and patted the leaning's red neck. Gently smiled. I'll take good care of Toby, okay? He's like, I never doubted it. 
Want me and Denny to get the truck and follow you over there? She shook her head. I'm no Daisy, she noted the rifle that protruded from the long scrapboard beside the saddle horn. Mind if I take this along, Chad? Not at all. I'd feel better if you did. Remember, the safety's on. Is Judd down there? He asked abruptly, nodding toward the bar. Yes, so you'd better go straight to the equipment shed. What he doesn't know won't get me dressed down. He started to argue, but she was already trying away. She didn't really need to look at the cuts to guess that Jack Clark had been around making mischief. He might have just wanted to let the cows out, or he might have planned to steal some. But she wanted to get away from Judd and the others, if she were lucky. They'd be long gone by the time she got back. Besides, it wouldn't hurt to make sure her theory was correct. If she could get any sort of evidence to give cash, she could take care of Jack Clark for her. She remembered the look in Judd's black eyes when he helped Tippy Moore down from the SUV and the way he let her lead him away after insulting Christina Bell. He hadn't even seemed to notice that she'd been insulted either. Her heart ached just as she dreaded. The model's arrival marked a turning point in her life. She wished she could turn the clock back. Nothing was ever going to be the same again. End of chapter 4.